One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, it's game four tonight. The Lightning and the Bruins both lead the series two games to one, and we've got a treat for you today. Dave Mishkin, the Lightning's play-by-play voice on radio, is here to get you ready for game four and break it down like nobody else. But before we get to our interview with Dave, we're going to welcome back our sponsor, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. You know, Mother's Day, hey, it's just a week from Sunday. Don't forget Mom. Show what? her how special she Just a week away? Yeah. Oh, man, i got to find. I got to get some. You better go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds, man. Show you gotta show your wife how special she is to you and her and your children. Uh, Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds, he's there to make Mother's Day something she'll always remember. Land Andy and his staff help you pick out that special gift. And get this: if you spend over two thousand dollars, Steve, and I know you will, Andy is going to include a free cruise. That's right, a free cruise for five days. Four nights for two. Your choice of cruise lines. Go see Andy for more details. Now, don't walk around those jewelry stores. There's no reason to do that now. They're not giving away a cruise. You want something for Mother's Day? Well, if you go to the mall, they got the big overhead, and that means a higher price for you. So if you're looking for that perfect gift for Mom, go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where you're going to get the best deal, and there's no pressure. You're going to come in. Make sure you ask for Andy. He's going to pour you a nice scotch and teach you about the four C's of diamonds, and he's going to match that perfect diamond for your mom or your loved one. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop, and they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. Hey, Rick, I'm going to need some time off. What? i got to schedule my cruise. <laughs> oh, God. You had me stunned there for a minute. What? Wait, where are you going? <laughs> now, take the cruise, man. You know, I'm not a big cruise guy, but if, if I could buy something for $2,000, you get that's. I mean, think about that deal. Free cruise, five days, four nights for two, and your choice of cruise lines? You've got to go see Andy. You can't You've got to go see him. Got to go see my man. So Dave Michigan has been the Lightning's radio play-by-play voice since 2002. His iconic call of that Stanley Cup victory still rings in our ears and stands as one of the greatest ever, and he's in Boston and should be resting his voice for game four, but we're not going to let him because he joins us now. So, you know, Dave – uh, the NHL playoffs is kind of a war of attrition. Uh, is that the case for you too, or do you uh, do you manage to power through it? Are you are you used to this by now? <laughs> I try and power through it, Rick. You know, it's funny. Not so much for for broadcasters, although maybe for broadcasters too. But for players, in a way, you know, the playoffs are definitely a grind. But the regular season, in many ways, is a different kind of grind. You know, you're jumping sure. time zones and you have back-to-backs and you're, you know, sometimes one team is more well-rested than the opponent. Uh, you know, you might get five games and eight nights. You just don't have that in the playoffs. You know, generally it's, it's every other night, you know, you're facing the same team. So it's not like one team has an advantage over the other. You know, when you travel, you're going to one city and you're staying there for a few days. It's almost not quite baseball-esque, but you, you get where I'm coming from you know we're in boston for four days uh yeah and then we're going to come back home so that part of it actually makes it a little bit easier and you're not rolling in at three o'clock in the morning usually in the playoffs the lightning will not come directly home after the final game in a stretch where you know the next game is home they'll spend the night like friday night they'll spend the night in boston and fly back on saturday so all that makes it actually a little bit more manageable 
But clearly, from the intensity level standpoint, it is higher in the playoffs. So for me personally, yeah, I just uh, I seem to be able to always find that gear uh, if I need it. Knock on wood uh, to this point in my broadcasting career. Well, you've had that experience. Um, let, let's talk about this series with Boston. Um, maybe, maybe the story of the playoffs in the Lightning so far has has been that Braden Point, Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat line. And they're so quick. They they hound the puck and the back checking. And and I'm I'm not sure I've seen a better transition, you know, from defense to offense. Is that what makes them so special, or just you know how how good have they been these last couple games anyway against the best line in hockey? Well, clearly they've met the challenge of playing a lot against the Bergeron line, and we can talk about matchups. Which, in speaking with some of the Boston people, Rick, they've told me that Bruce Cassidy actually does not get overly wrapped up in matching forward lines. He, he does pay attention to which defensemen are out against a particular opposition forward line. And he does like having Chara and McAvoy out against Stamkos, Kucherov, and JT Miller. And we've seen that in the games both in Tampa and in game three in Boston. But to answer your question, you know, they're, they're all hungry on pucks. Uh, I think, you know, they, they did not, deliver the kind of performance they wanted in game one in terms of how they defended the Bergeron line. We've seen a correction, certainly, in the last two games. They're really trying to limit the Bergeron's line's time and space and as much as possible. And they actually did a fair amount of this in game one, even though you know the Bergeron line did a lot of damage when the puck went into the Lightning's end. But really, the Lightning have played with the puck a lot in the series, and that includes the point line in game one against the Bergeron line. The Bergeron line didn't have the puck a lot just when they had it in the Lightning's end. They were able to, you know, pop in some goals pretty quickly. So that's part of it, too. You know, you want them to play defense and and not have to spend a lot of time in your own end. Um, So I think that you combine all of that, you know, the, the intensity level, the passion with which they're playing, the tenacity with which they're defending, puck management, high hockey IQ, uh, ability to make plays and all that factors into what's been, you know, a really good performance for them in both games two and three. And they've been a big factor in why the Lightning have been able to win the last two games. And I mean, just Palat uh, in and of himself, I mean, there's no question with the time that he missed during the regular season, you, you can see what a difference he is when he's, when he's in on that line and in that lineup. Yeah. I mean, look, he's, he's a great two-way player and, mm-hmm. I think John Cooper referenced in his post-game press conference after game three kind of how he sometimes plot gets overlooked because, you know, he's not necessarily the most flashy guy. He's just so reliable, so reliable in all three zones to make the right decision at the right time. And the Lightning did miss him for the, the two months or whatever it was that he was out of the lineup from, you know, kind of late January to late March. And he always seems to play well in the playoffs too. And maybe it's because his style of game translates very well to the playoffs where, you know, being able to make the right decision at the right time and playing with some jam to your game, which is what Andre Pallad does, uh, is, is a very important part of having success in the playoffs. But it can't just be one guy. Usually for a team to have success, everybody has to play that way. And to me, not to, not to segue off the plot question, but to me, that has been the story in this series and really in this playoff year for the Lightning, how committed the team is up and down the lineup to 
playing the game in a way that is conducive to success, especially in the playoffs. Like they're making the simple play. They're going north. They're, they're using their high compete level and physical play, physical component to their game to accentuate their natural team strengths, which are team speed and forechecking and playmaking. But that part of the game, speed and playmaking and, and scoring goals, is harder to do if you are not executing well in the other area. So like, if you're having to spend too much time in your own end, you can't really go on the attack very well. You can't forecheck very well if the puck isn't coming out of your own end. And I think that up and down the lineup, 12 forward, six defensemen, you know, everybody is, is rowing in the right direction. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. And it's been really wonderful to see from, from the Lightning's perspective. If you're a Lightning fan, you got to love how this team is performing right now uh, when the stakes are at their highest. And uh, we'll see if they can keep it going. But right now, through you know five games against the Devils and three games against the Bruins, you know, there have been a couple of losses in there. But as a whole, you know, the Lightning have done very, very well in terms of how they have executed and how they have created problems for the opposition even in some of the games that they've lost. And, you know, we can talk about game one, you know, which was a game that the Bruins won 6-2. That's an ugly final score. And the Lightning were not happy with how they defended in their own end. And John Cooper kind of called out the team saying, we need to raise our intensity level. And that was true. But I think we can't lose sight of the fact also that the Lightning did a lot of really effective things in that game in terms of puck management and having the puck a lot and, you know, getting in on the Bruins' defense and, and forcing turnovers where they had the puck a lot in the offensive zone. They weren't able to translate that part of their game into scoring chances, enough scoring chances and enough goals and going to dirty areas. Um, but the template was there, and then they've, they've continued in that vein in games two and three while adding tight defensive play in their own zone and a determination to get pucks to dirty areas in the offensive end that has yielded some some good results for them. Yeah, I think uh, the defense is the thing. You know, in the second half of the season, um, that that was sort of the thing that seemed to be getting away from them a little bit. But in the eight playoff games, what two goals? Uh, more than two goals, only like twice uh, so far. So that speaks to kind of what you're talking about in in playing the right way and be committed to that, right? And I think, you know, you can look at what they call the fancy stats. But, you know, the Lightning have done very well in outshooting the opposition in a lot of these games. And shot attempts have also been in the favor of the Lightning in a lot of these games. Last night was not in their favor, but that had a lot to do with the score. And the Bruins were trying to get pucks to the net in the third period. That was where they overtook the Lightning and shot attempts, not shots on goal. And the Lightning, I thought, had a textbook third period in terms of closing out that game last night. So that's okay. I mean, that's that wasn't really reflective necessarily of how the game went, but in some of these other games where the Lightning are badly out attempting the opposition, that speaks to puck possession. That speaks to not spending a lot of time in your own end and having the puck a lot in the opposition's end. Now, it doesn't always translate to positive results and a win, but it gives you a good opportunity to win if you can do the right things with the puck in the offensive zone. And you're right. I mean, I think that it was an area team defense was an area the lightning knew they needed to tighten up specifically penalty killing as part of that. And they've done a really good job in these playoffs uh, in all of those areas. Yes. You know, the Bruins have popped in a couple of power play goals in the series, but you know, last night's power play goal did not hurt the lightning 
in part because they only took one penalty. And, and also, you know, they had a lead at the time the goal was scored and they got uh, the goal right back a couple of minutes later on the Sorelli tally that, you know, allowed them to reestablish a two goal lead. So, you know, I think it goes to puck management. It goes to making the right play uh, coming out of their own end. It goes to execution. Like you might want to make the right play, but if you're not putting the puck in your teammate's stick, then you're not executing and, and the play isn't made. They're doing that for the most part. And all of those things are allowing them to alleviate pressure in the defensive zone, which is a big part of you know team defensive success. I was watching the broadcast on TV last night, and they made a mention of guys like Chris Kunitz, and, and of course, you know, Callahan seems to sort of set the tone, McDonough. I mean, all these guys have have so much playoff experience. Are they are they just sort of selfless in that in that they're tone setters and they they know the roles and they know how to win when you get to this time of year, right? And yes, so they're playing with an edge. I think that line has been outstanding in the playoffs and yeah. in this series specifically. They have been terrific. So you've got some experience there, certainly with with Callahan and Kunitz and Paquette. Paquette's been a good playoff player. Remember how effective he was against Jonathan Tate in the Stanley Cup final. Right. You know, through three games, you know, the, the big storyline was how is Jonathan Tate going to deal with Cedric Paquette, who was, you know, getting right. matched against him. So I think all three of those guys are capable of playing really well in the playoffs because they've done it before. But, you know, certainly they're making the right plays at the right time. So, I mean, some of it is emotion and passion and intensity and physical play. But also it's, it's the ability to, under pressure, make the right decision with the puck. And I think they're all doing that. Uh, they have been a matchup problem for the Bruins, which is another part of the series that, you know, has been a significant part of the series in my mind, that the Bruins have not gotten enough from not their defense. Their defense has played well. And their Bergeron line has been really good. And I'll throw in Rick Nash, who had an impact in game one. And he had a pretty good game in game three, even though he didn't have a point. But much of the rest of their forward unit has not done enough for the Bruins, not only to score, but just to drive offense and dictate play. And, you know, usually it's one of those other lines that's getting the pocket line. And the pocket line has just had their way with, with the Bruins, frankly, to this point in the series in terms of being able to, to dictate play and have the puck a lot in the offensive zone and, you know, punish the Bruins physically. I mean, we've seen some big checks, certainly, uh, that that line has laid out. So I think that that's their key to success, and, uh, and they've had a huge impact on how these games have unfolded, even if they haven't necessarily, you know, produced a ton of offense. Callan had an empty net goal uh, in the clinching win over the Devils, but that doesn't matter. I mean, what they're doing in terms of their production five on five, in terms of having the puck and making the other side play defense. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
and 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 applying you know a physical brand of hockey to the opposition has right. been greatly beneficial to the Lightning's attack. So what can be done now, um, you know, to get Stamkos and Kucherov going? I know that, you know, Stamkos had the empty netter. Can can that help him a little bit just psychologically? He looked like there was kind of the, the monkey off his back. His reaction to it was, was kind of good. But uh, they're going to have to have some production at some point from these guys, right? Uh, well, you know what? I, I've heard that question asked a lot, and I'm going to answer in the negative. I mean, I think the Lightning want production from Stamkos and Kucherov, but we've seen that the Lightning do have enough scoring depth to win games, and if they can win games, they can win a series without them. Uh, I think that that's not ideal, but it's possible, and I think that, you know, there's a reason why the Lightning led the league in offense. They got a huge season, certainly, from Kucherov and Stamkos, and J.T. Miller was a point-per-game guy after he came over from the Rangers and much of that time down the stretch in the regular season, he was playing with Stamkos and Kucherov, but you don't lead the league in offense because you're, you know, relying solely on one line. And, you know, the lightning got scoring from a lot of different people over the course of the regular season. And we're seeing that in the playoffs as well. But to answer your question, I think that there have been elements in the lines game, you know, Stamkos's game, Kucherov's game, Miller's game, that has been really good. So, you know, they have not spent a lot of time in their own zone. Uh, they've been very good on faceoffs. They've limited turnovers. They're getting through the neutral zone. Uh, what they've not been able to do with any level of consistency to this point, and I think this is what is kind of brought about a lot of these questions, they have not had a lot of dynamic looks in the offensive zone. So, to me, if you were to say, all right, letter A is starting in your own end and letter F is getting a scoring chance and putting the puck <laughs> in the net at the other end, like right. A through D, they're doing a pretty good job. Like they're getting through the neutral zone. They're getting into the offensive end. If they're starting the offensive zone, you know, oftentimes they're winning pucks and they're holding on to it in the offensive zone. It's just those last couple of plays are not being made. I think some of the credit should go to the Bruins. I mean, there's a reason why Cassidy wants Chara, their best defensive defenseman out there against Stamkos and Kucherov. And I think Chara has had a very solid series defensively uh, in, in some of this narrative that we're talking about and, and holding that line to limited scoring chances. But some of it's on the line too. And I think it's maybe just making a different play at a different time, whether it's, you know, having more of a, a shooting mentality or shooting more quickly. And it's a lot easy for, it's easier for me to say sitting way up, you know, like sure. in, in the heat of the moment, you know, they're doing the best they can against some really good players. Um, but I think that's kind of what's going to be the difference between what we're seeing now and what we hope to see, which is a game in which, you know, that line really breaks out. Um, but I would say that they're close. I, I, I think that there are a lot of elements in their game that are really positive. And certainly in a game in which that line is held without a point, you would rather have that line be playing with the puck in the offensive zone than struggling to get the puck out of their own end. And at least that part of their game is happening. Uh, and that's team-wide. You know, the Lightning have done a very good job through three games in the series, really, of, of not having to play with the puck a lot in their own end. And certainly in the last two games, they have done very well in terms of tight defensive zone coverage and limiting the Bruins' time and space 
um, when the Bruins have had the puck in the Lightning's end. You mentioned how deep they are. It's such an interesting mix on this team between veterans and young players, and none more better example of the young guys that's going well right now than this uh, Tony Sorelli. I mean, um, you know, he gets his first, he gets his first playoff goal, uh, of course, the other night. Had it draws a couple of huge penalties. What are we seeing from this guy who was only brought up like on in March first, I guess? He's a very smart player, uh, positionally sound. He knows the game. He's not cowed by the moment. Uh, I mean, here's a guy who scored two goals in a Memorial Cup final, including the winner, winner in overtime, you know, during his first junior season. And, you know, if you want to say he's got ice water in his veins, that's probably <laughs> fair to say. But I think what was really impressive about game three for Sorelli, so Bergeron scores in the power play. Right before right. Bergeron gets the puck, Sorelli had the puck, and he kind of got jostled. He couldn't quite settle it down. He lost it. It was it was kind of a bang-bang play. It's not like he put it right on Bergeron's stick, but, you know, for a young guy, that can weigh on you. You're like, oh, you know, I made the mistake that, that led to the goal, which is not true. I mean, the Lightning won the faceoff and couldn't get it out. That was before Sorelli even had the puck on his stick. Um but, you know, it was, what, two minutes later that he went down and stuck it in the Bruins' net. So I think that that speaks to kind of the mentality of how strong he is to kind of take a punch to the gut and not let it affect his game. And that's impressive if you're a 10-year vet, let alone a guy who's been in the NHL since, you know, March 1st. So that, as much as anything, was what was impressive about his goal and his performance last night. It was something John Cooper referenced in his post game. You know, he talked about how, you know, Sorelli had a chance during the penalty kill, uh, couldn't get it out. Bergeron scores. How, how is that going to affect this young player? And it didn't affect him adversely at all. In fact, you know, you blinked and, you know, he scored his first NHL playoff goal, which was a very important goal at that time in the game. So I think that that's the best way that I can sum up kind of what yeah. makes Sorelli so valuable uh, just tough as nails mentally. And, and you couple that with you know, a passion to play and a high hockey IQ and, and responsible defensive play. And you have a guy who's, you know, become the Lightning's third line center, even though he's a first year pro. Yeah, you can see the confidence that John Cooper and everybody has in him. Is it true now that all seven games between these two teams, the team that has scored first has won? Yes. And I think it was important for the Lightning to score first for a couple of reasons last night, not the least of which was they got the lead and they were able to play yeah. with the lead. It also quieted the Boston crowd. I think that early goal for Pilat really fueled the Lightning's attack. They had a terrific first period in terms of really dictating play and, and dominating. Yeah. I mean, if not for Rath, the Lightning could have had a lot more than three goals in the first period last night. But you were correct, and you know the Bruins are a really good defensive team. They finished third in the league in team defense. They finished second in the league in fewest shots allowed, and they are a very tough team to play against when they have the lead. Now the Bruins have had success this year when they've given up the first goal, rallying and winning, and that was something Cassidy talked about, referencing that first goal against in in Game Three. He said, you know, I wasn't too concerned about that one. He in particular didn't like goals two and three because he felt there were breakdowns in front of the Boston net. The, the play which, you know, led to the first goal was just kind of a bad bounce on Grizzly, and, and that can happen. But from the Lightning's perspective, that was the best possible start they could have had because I think it really took the crowd out of the game and, you know, 
shortly thereafter, Plot had another goal, and it's two nothing. So I think it really got the Lightning going. Yeah. So getting the so lead was it, important last night. Getting the lead in in the series has also been important, though. And you are correct that the team that has scored first in only one game has the game even been tied after that. That was Game Two in this series, where the Lightning scored first, the Bruins tied, and then the Lightning regained the lead. All the other games, the team that has scored first not only has never trailed, never even been tied after that. So that has been a very important key uh, between the teams this year. Wow. All right, let's get you on on this one real quick, uh, Dave. What what adjustments then do you expect uh, Boston to make? And, and I would assume that they're going to be as desperate as they can possibly be. Well, part of it is, yeah, just the desperation with which they play. I think that if you're the Lightning, you have to expect the kind of performance from the Bruins that the Lightning had in Game 2 after losing right. Game 1 at home. And you saw a higher intensity game, a higher desperation game, and that worked very well for the Lightning as they were able to carry play for a lot of game two and get the win. I think the Bruins may or may not make some lineup changes to try and generate more offensive zone time with some of their forwards other than the on the Bergeron line or Rick Nash, who, as I said, I, I think has had a pretty good series so far. Um, but I think as a whole, the Bruins, I really felt that heading into game three, the Bruins would try to flip the script or at least neutralize the advantage the Lightning had in the first two games in terms of puck possession. It didn't happen. And the Lightning were able to forecheck the Bruins as effectively in the third game as they were really in games one and two. So the Bruins have to find an answer for that. And some of it is going to be desperation. Some of it is going to be strategic. Some of it is going to be puck management. Um, you know, what you do, what decision you make with the puck so you don't give it back to the Lightning. So I think the Lightning have to be ready for what is probably going to be the Bruins' best overall game in the series. And, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Um, but if you're the Lightning, that's what I would be <laughs> And that's what I would say, be ready for this. And uh, we'll see if the Lightning are able to, to, again, kind of set the tone with their speed and their forechecking and their puck management and sound decision-making to have the bulk of the puck possession like they've done uh, you know, certainly in the last two games that have helped them win those games. Sure has been fun to watch and sure has been fun to listen. I think you got a long summer ahead of you here, Dave, with this team. Let's hope so, Rick. <laughs> a long way to go, certainly, in this series. And in 2-1, you know, it's kind of like each team has won a road game. So now it's on serve and the Lightning, uh, <laughs> right. you know, certainly would love to get love to get that game on Friday to, to take a 3-1 lead in the series. No doubt. Thanks so much, Dave. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Rick. Thanks. So what do you think uh, tonight, Steve? I, I've said that I believe in, in they needed to get one out of two. They needed to do what Boston did, and they've done that, so they got home ice back in their favor. But Boston's going to be the more desperate team, and, and I, I think this is going to be a six- or seven-game series. I think Boston may win tonight just because, for the same reason, the Lightning came out on fire in game two. Well, when you went up there, you said, look, the goal is to win one. Well, it didn't matter if it was game three or game four. You've won game three. Now you're playing with house money. If you can win game four, there's a good chance you're not going back to Boston for game six. That's true. So the, that's the Lightning's motivation. Boston's going to be desperate. It, we're going to, as Dave said, the Lightning are going to get their best effort from Boston. So it's how the Lightning respond. I thought the Lightning would win game three and lose game four all along. I did not expect the Lightning to be as dominant as they were in game three. 
and, and maybe it was the early goals by Palat, two of them that, that kind of threw them off, or maybe it was just the Lightning or that much better. Um, definitely five on five, the team's better. If, you know, I, I expect Boston to be a lot more chippy, trying to draw more penalties from the Lightning, because that's, that's where they can score, is on the power play. And they've shown that right. in this series. That five on five, the Lightning have too many lines, too many weapons for Boston to compete 60 minutes five on five. I agree. Yeah, don't give them the penalties, and uh, I think the Lightning would have a really good chance of of, uh, of beating them. And this this is, I mean, this is a key game. Obviously, if they get this one, um, I'm with you. I don't think they get back on the plane. They come home Sunday, and it's much like uh, their first series against New Jersey. You know that that becomes the motivation, and the building will be lit. And you you so, probably get some more rest going into the next series too. Which you know, by all indications, Washington Pittsburgh may go six seven games. So now both big events uh, tonight are on at seven o'clock. You got the Lightning and the Bruins is from the TD Center, uh, TD Garden Center there at, on NBC Sports Network, and or you can listen to Dave Mishkin and Phil Esposito either on nine seventy WFLA or the Lightning Power Play. So you can do that. Uh, the Rays also begin a series at the same time. So if you want to flip back and forth uh, or have two TVs, that'd be great too. They play the Blue Jays at the Trop. Andrew Kittredge against Jay Happ. So I guess it's another uh, Billy Bullpen day. It is. Ryan Yarbrough initially was going to start that game, but now they've switched it to a bullpen day, so Kittredge will get the start. Josh Donaldson's been activated for the Blue Jays, so he's back. Terrific. Uh, and the Blue Jays are, in, are three and a half games ahead of the Rays in the division for third place. So um, you take two out of three, all of a sudden you're a game and a half back. If you happen to sweep, you're a half game back of them yep. uh, for third place in the division. So key divisional matchup after a good road trip they were five and three on the road so um you Mm -hmm. want to keep that going they've lost three out of four but to your point it was a good road trip and now they got to get uh got to get healthy again get the bats going they kind of got quieted by the tigers pitching up there a little bit so we'll see if the rays can uh, make it to 500 two games below that mark that would be quite an accomplishment given their start Hey, we, uh, we're glad that you guys are with us. Uh, we're here every Monday through Friday to talk uh, uh, Lightning and the Bucks, who will have a mini camp next week. We'll be getting into that. Um, you know, certainly uh, lots of Rays news uh, as they continue on in this early season. And we're into May now, so second month of the season already. Um, but we want to interact with you as always. You guys have been great uh, getting a hold of us. You can do that on Twitter at Sports Day TV at Sports Day TV, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, uh, or my email is rstroud at tampabay.com. Love for you to rate and review this podcast, and they can do that just about anywhere, right, Steve? Anywhere you get the podcast, whether you're grabbing it from iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, any third party apps, you can always like it there or rate and review it, leave comments, or you can go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest headlines are there, but also the latest podcast, and you can comment there too. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick. Have a great weekend, everybody.